All right, welcome to the last dance after party. The last, last dance after party here at Radio Paul Sports, student voice for Paul Blue Demons. My name is Charlie Bevins, and I'm joined by Nick Cancenary, Natalie Berjak, and of course, Abbas Dodwala. I was gone the last couple weeks due to extenuating circumstances. I apologize for that, but Natalie filled in ever so admirably. She returns for the final episode. Uh, we're kind of out of things to do on Sundays now, you guys. Yep. It's very sad. I honestly, the the first, like, week leading up to it, I was so hyped. Like, uh, the, the thing I compared it to was a big Marvel guy. You know, bad radio, oh, but yeah. I got the poster behind me. I was excited for <laughs> this as I was for uh, Endgame, honestly. Were you really? I so, yeah, I was so hyped looking forward to this. And it blew me away. What about you, Natalie? Yeah, when it came out, like it was announced last year that it was going to come out in June, I like marked my calendar. I was so excited because like it was a, a time obviously that happened right before us. And even if we were like born right then, like we probably wouldn't have remembered it. So it's just such a great like account of all that history. Like, like I think some members of my family were looking for there to be like a huge like announcement or whatever in the end like they were looking for Jordan to like I don't even know but for me it was just such a perfect like telling of that history in that time which is what I was looking for that's all I was looking for and it way exceeded my expectations. So we're doing this the day after uh, so we have more time to talk about both last night's episode specifically, and then we'll move into the series as a whole. Abbas, uh, how are you feeling after the end of it when it says the Bulls began to rebuild? And it just kind of ends right there. <laughs> they never really rebuilt, did they? <laughs> but but I will say, I saw some graphic um, someone sent to me about like how pathetic they've been like their overall record if you take away what tim floyd did and what jim boylan has done they're really not a bad team i mean they did a lot with very little uh derrick rose is the only star player they've had since mj uh left and they still had good teams where like you know they were giving the pistons a fight when they were at the top of the conference they had that amazing series against the celtics they've had like you know but jimmy butler has been here joking Noah has been around ben gordon so, like, yeah, they haven't really had that much success since. But it's not like they've been, like, a Charlotte or, like, a Cleveland, like, a bottom seller. Yeah. Well, they, when, when they didn't have Jordan. They tested those Heat teams. I mean, those were battles exactly. in the playoffs. And even in the regular season, they you – know, we can kind of get into that when we talk about, like, big picture stuff. But they um, they put up really – like, they were never even, – even when Rose and Butler were both hurt and – Jonas fell on uh, on Nate Robinson. I remember Nate Robinson was like my favorite basketball player for four years after he had that game against the Knicks and against the Heat. Uh, I forget what year it was, but yeah, they're uh, you know I don't I don't uh, Garpax is like heresy, just that name, but um, I don't think they they were a completely horrible, awful uh, general managers or decision makers. It's just yeah. After after a certain point, you you can only get so many you know cycles of talent. Yeah, and I mean, if you take out like, I mean, if Rose doesn't get hurt, it's a completely different story too, because you still get Butler, 
you're still banking on Butler turning into a star. But if you're looking at a team where it's Rosen, Butler, and then you're, you're I mean, even like in 15, 16, you're, you're seeing Gasol's contract go off the books. You're seeing Noah's contract off the books. Boozer is gone. So you've got cap space again. And if, if there's another superstar as a free agent, I mean, even if you think about like Carmelo Anthony, if he was a free agent when Derek and Derek Rose had never gotten hurt and he was still at the top of his game, you have to think that somebody would come to Chicago. Right. Because, I mean, that's a perfect situation. We could be looking at a completely different thing. Maybe it would have been Bulls Warriors in the finals these past few years instead of Cavs Warriors. So I just think stuff didn't go right. But, I mean, besides that, that's still a terrible front office. Still pretty sad that a team like this has had 22 seasons of crap. There's some sliding doors moments for sure. But so, so for last night's episode, it was – the first episode is really about that first finals against the Jazz and then um, a bunch of other factors going into that. And then the second episode is really like that finals series. And again, uh, some things leading up to that. Um, what I, I, I guess I'll start. I thought one of my favorite moments is when uh, they bring up Brian Russell and he just laughs for like seven seconds when he talks about how a few years before then, Brian Russell was saying, you're old. And then he came out of retirement and bullied him. And he said, yeah, since he said that, he's been on my list. But I'm curious what that list looks like and how insanely long it is. But I don't know. There was just – like, it, it's just more confirmation of what we'd already been seeing throughout the doc. Like, he's this homicidal competitor that wants to destroy people if they ever so slight him. Is there anyone even left on the list? I think he, I feel like he crossed out every name. <laughs> well, Bill, Bill Simmons is uh, in Book of Basketball. He was reading a passage about Jordan on the uh, on his podcast, and he he talked about um, he came out of retirement shortly after uh, Paul Pierce was uh, talking trash to him in in some capacity. And it's just like it's just the. Um, there's like an essence about it that's just so hard to capture, but somehow this this documentary captured it. Like I knew and had heard about, you know, his, you know, competitiveness, but the doc really showed me just how insane he is. And he actually having a list of people that he's viewed have wronged him. Uh, even if they, you know, George Carl just doesn't say hi to you, you're on the list. Like that, that was really cool to see like just how insane that Michael Jordan was. Yeah, he's crazy. Well, I was just going to say, it's not only like, like the fact that we saw him make things up to put people on that list too. Like how we saw at the end of the one game, who was it where he said, he said something to him, but then later on he came out and said, he never said anything to to Michael. LeBradford Smith. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So again, that's like, he's, he created that in his own mind and was like, that just came out of people comparing him to him and, and, you know, talking about how, you know, he competed better than him in that one game. And then, you know, he made up that whole scenario in his head and that became an item on the list. I, I think the other biggest piece from that, um, well, an- another thing too is when they asked him, was there anything that motivated you in this final? And then without hesitation, he said, Carl Malone getting MVP. Cause you, you kind of heard like, there was just sort of the assumption that that was really bothering him, that he felt he should have won MVP that year. But for him to say it just like that, it's just 
Like, we, we can just list, list off the examples of him uh, getting so pissed off after being slighted. Um, but I think the other most important thing from episode nine was the stuff about the flu game. And it turns out, at least I didn't know this, that uh, it wasn't actually a flu game. It was food poisoning from uh, a pizza order from the night before. No, I, I didn't know that either. And I had asked a few weeks ago during, a, I think, episodes five and six, I asked my dad, I was like, when was the flu game? So we were talking about it a while before. And then all of a sudden they start talking about that series. And my dad just goes, hey, I think this is one of the flu games. And in a, not even a moment after that, Michael was like, it wasn't the flu. Like it was that scene of him, or that cut of him just going, yeah, it wasn't the flu. And it was so funny how that happened because we had been talking about it and then he said that but I didn't know that either and that is so weird that five people would deliver a pizza yeah and then like Tim Grover was immediately like and all of a sudden there's five people with one pizza handing it to him like this is weird and then Jordan ate the entire thing by himself and was uh very 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 sick I told you guys I wouldn't have eaten it yeah I if if my trainer told me not to eat uh, an entire pizza, I probably wouldn't. Um, I was telling you guys last night, like, I kept thinking of my dad during this because he uh, he's not really a jazz fan anymore, but he um, a lot of it was uh, he was very spiteful of my mom's brothers. And so uh, he was super into the jazz uh, when they were playing the Bulls, and he would like really get on them anytime the jazz won a game against them. Now he's more just a Blazers fan because he's been in Portland the last 20 years. But he was into the jazz into the 90s, and uh, he does not like Jordan, like, at all. He, he always tells me, like, Jordan was hungover for this, and uh, he, he, pushed off, uh, he pushed off Brian Russell. But the – you know, like, there's so many, like, conspiracy theories about it, and to hear him say it was food poisoning is kind of crazy to me. What kind of, I mean, what kind of pizza do you think Jordan orders up? Like, is this just a, a cheese or is there uh, some tainted pepperoni or something on it? I, I don't think it mattered what the pizza was. Um, just just don't order food in Utah if you're a basketball player. Well, that, and I was, that that's the moral. Well, and I was telling my family, it probably wasn't even like undercooked anything. It's probably just the fact that there were so many people delivering it. And it couldn't have even been like, again, anything that had to do with the actual food. Just imagine a person, you know, sneezes on it or whatever. Like it could have been anything when you bring that many people into the picture. I, I don't know if it was, into, like, I think it's very possible that five people wanted to go to Michael Jordan's hotel room and to see him. I think well, yeah. that, like, I, I, pro I think that's probably what it was. And it was something under, I don't think it was five people like, getting together to poison to see like what we're gonna like what's gonna happen to Jordan no well, and I go ahead Kans. oh no you go ahead well I just I also saw something that was like did they put the order under the name NBA superstar <laughs> all-star Michael Jordan well you could probably put like, two and two together right like I guess uh, oh yeah if it's the night yeah, of the game and, it... and there's Michael Jordan on the order I'm like well, they're not putting. Uh, yeah, they let's put get him under the, the game. trainer's name. <laughs> yeah, they're not putting it under. They're That's using true. fake names, probably. But I would hope so. Yeah. I, I bet they like. They probably connected some dots. And, like, yeah. You can call the front desk or the lobby or something like. Hey, I heard, I heard Jordan staying at this hotel. Well, let's call the lobby and see, uh, like, what room he's in or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. 
and also it's like you know i know they said like they were calling around looking for places that were open but you know what if like they got the pizza place and they were just about to close so they had to be like all right no this is for like you know a very important person or whatever you know and then they connect the dots so there's i mean who would have thought that food poisoning you know this whole pizza gate would uh you know be so interesting have any of you i've never had food poisoning i mean have any of you ever had it yeah I mean, yeah, I think I got it you, in Mexico. Could you go out and, you know, drop 37 or whatever? No, in a probably. Game? You know, they, they, it's, it's such a big part of NBA folklore at this point, the fact that what he was able to do while having this horrible sickness, flu, or whatever it was, or food poisoning. But, it like, that's how dependent they were on him, like – like if we go if we go down or if this series is tied up, things are gonna get hairy. Like we're gonna have to play Utah again. We're gonna have to stick around in Utah for a while, and like we need you to pull this one out. And he was able to do it. And I yeah I I can't imagine leaving my house if I'm because he said he was up at two in the morning throwing up with a fever and like sweating buckets. That's just like I've I felt that. Um, I don't know if it was food poisoning or flu or whatever, but it's you, – you just want to die. Like, you just don't want to move. You want to be in a dark room by yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, maybe he's just a sweaty person in general, but, like, when they would show him on the bench during that game, he, his face was just soaked with wetness, you know? It was like yeah. you could tell he was really feeling it. And it was like they said – someone mentioned it was like – every time out or every time he sat down and he wouldn't even be playing for that long and he would be like two three four times as sweaty as anyone else coming off the court so and he, again he wasn't playing that long he wasn't moving that much so it was purely just like sweating out being sick the other thing i think it's from this episode the other thing i'm glad they touched on was the steve kerr stuff i yeah. i i adore steve kerr um and my mom has always loved steve kerr like even when he first got hired by the Warriors or like my mom doesn't even care about basketball, but she grew up in Chicago or she was in Chicago in the nineties. So, you know, who Steve Kerr is. And she was like, yeah, he, he was, uh, he was teaching at this American college in Beirut and he was killed. And, uh, she loved, my mom loves his Twitter feed. Um, but like, yeah, he's just, he's such a smart coach. I don't know if you guys have been listening to that podcast he's been doing with Pete Carroll, but you can see the way Phil Jackson influenced him. And once again, I've mentioned Phil Jackson, but the, uh, he really is somebody who um, I always love to hear what he has to say about um, basically anything. And uh, you know, I'm glad they touched on his backstory because it's a backstory that I don't think a lot of people really know about, but it's one that I had no idea. Yeah. It's um, you know, it's, it's very, that that incident for him is uh has very much informed like who he is as a person yeah and you could tell like when they asked him about it he was kind of you know choking up a little bit you know it's definitely something that's you know still kind of hard for him to talk about but yeah I mean what a guy he's got like eight or seven rings I think something crazy like that like he's right up there with like uh you know, the Robert Ory's like the clutch three-point playoff shooters. Uh, and I thought it was really cool how you kind of saw like 
how John Paxson kind of showed him what it was like to be like a role player uh, that played with Michael Jordan. Well, did, he won um, – did he win two with San Antonio? He had, yeah, he had to have because was he there? He would have been there in 99. Yeah, because he, he won three in Golden State. I think he won, he won three in Chicago, and it might have been two. Abbas, do you know? Yeah, three, three, and then one. I think he only won one in San Antonio. Okay. Well, still, I, I mean, think, that's uh, no. Was it two? I'm not. I have, Cause, I have no Because I know he played. Uh, he was playing. Uh, I was watching. Um, he did this interview with Ernie Johnson a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about how, like, in one of those games, he hadn't played well the entire series. He was kind of at the end of his uh, when he was in San Antonio. I should say he was like at the end of his career, and he came in like for like 20 minutes in game six and hit like multiple threes in a row yeah and he yeah. was like and then then he was like yeah but that i knew that i was done after that yeah you need like that you need someone like that you just need a guy you need a heat check guy um and i think that that's you know obviously bulls win in 97 they talk a lot about the flu game and then a little bit about reggie miller that was more towards the beginning but the the last episode was when stuff really got good and like when I think it had some of their best sound bites. I think uh, I think it was from the last episode where they're talking about how the Jazz just kind of handled Shaq and um, you know their uh, uh, Malone is able to match up well against him. They're able to beat the Lakers, the Shaq and Kobe Lakers, and then Jordan just looks and goes, "I ain't Shaq." Like there, there was just so much good audio from those locker room moments. But I think that was probably my favorite quote they got from him uh, throughout this whole thing. But you know, that mindset, like, yeah, that's right. He isn't Shaq. Like, you're not going to put, you're not going to put Malone on Michael Jordan. Uh, you're going to put Brian Russell. And, you know, we all saw what happened. One of the things that really got me uh, from the last episode, and it's a little off topic from the Malone thing that you brought, Charlie, but the scores of the games yeah. are just insane. Like, I mean, my dad mentioned that, uh, too, he's like, I think the Jazz had like 30 some points at halftime one game. He's just latched, he's like 30 points. It's like, yeah, that's like, 54 like a points to yeah, Jazz. that, oh that game gosh. three is it's like insane. It, it set so many records that game three. They shot like 30 percent from the floor, and it's funny because I was watching it, it was on NBC Sports last week. And um, the funniest thing is like the Jazz got out to a really good start, Malone scored like 10 points in a row to start the game. And then from then on, they scored like 40 points. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's – oh, and, and Bob Costa said, like, that's the lowest anybody scored in – I think he said in a basketball game ever. It, I think yeah. in a finals game yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, I think he said he – may, he may have, like, in a modern NBA game, but he, he said, like, not even just finals, but, like, in any game. Um, in a 48-minute game, they scored 54 points. That's insane. That, that's like that's a little over a team. point a minute. Yeah. That's a, that's a middle school game. Yeah, exactly. The um, I do love, like, anytime it was uh, – they'd show, like, these crazy highlights and they're, like, this back and forth, and it's, like, final, Bulls 97, Suns 92. Like, it's just – it's not even the same thing. <laughs> exactly. It's, like, you look at that and it's, like, that's, like, with – five minutes left in like the fourth quarter of today's game it's just it's so crazy how much the game has like just gotten faster and, and better offensive play since you know 20 something years ago yeah another thing i love from that episode was you know like I, 
everybody knows like athletes are snuck out so they can avoid press conferences, but actually, <laughs> like actually seeing it and then seeing the media like come out of nowhere and these guys are just like sprinting towards Robin. I love that. That's that. I mean, th- there's just such great stuff from that. Those camera crews picked up. Uh, well, and I don't No, Sorry. Finish. I was, I was done. Okay. Um, I don't know if any of you guys saw um, this morning or last night, um, Lawrence Holmes tweeted like that the whole irony about him going through that gate three and a half or whatever is that that is the media gate yeah, or yeah. that is like the reporter gate at the United Center I thought that was hilarious Dennis Rodman and then he goes oh my gosh what was it uh he goes to W he like leaves in the middle of the finals to do a WWE uh yeah that's so weird <laughs> the funny thing and is is he was the heel like he was the, he was like the rock in the ring that's so good. And then they so had the shot of him, Carmen Electra, Hulk, just all sitting. I, could, I don't know where they were, but just all sitting together. Like he's got a he's got a finals game, and like you know the next day. Yeah. Oh, what a guy. Yeah. He's just insane. Like, just don't bug me. I'm just gonna do my job, and don't worry about what I do beyond my job. Yeah, that's basically what he said. He was like, "I'm gonna put it all out on the court. Like I'm gonna do my." absolute best when I'm there and he's like he does go insane so it's just funny to me that like someone you you see him juxtapose against Michael who is someone can you hear that yeah it's fine okay sorry but you see him juxtapose against someone like Michael who puts everything like in their free time into this with practice and you know like workouts and all that other stuff and then you just see Dennis go off do some stupid stuff and then come back like nothing ever happened and play as good as if he were in practice that whole time yeah I thought um that kind of leads into like I I've never seen an athlete bring about this much despair before like you just you know, there's that picture of him hitting that shot over Utah, and then you can zoom in on everybody's face, and they do that in the documentary. Like, you can just see, like, the fright everybody has. And then every time yes. he beats somebody in the playoffs, like, he beats Barkley or he beats Stockton alone, like, just this anguish on their faces. I don't – and you just have this dread of, like, we have Jordan tomorrow. I don't think that there's – or even in the game, like, you know, I know we're doing this, but Jordan's going to hit – an insane shot. He's going to get hot. He's going to score, you know, 15 points in a span of two or three minutes. I don't think there's any athlete that I've seen that has really done that. And I don't want this to turn into an MJ LeBron thing. We're going to try to avoid that as much as possible. Like I, I don't, I don't necessarily feel that way uh, about LeBron. Maybe I'm misinformed in that, but uh, you know, I guess I sort of do in a way with Brady, like when, you know, they're down 10 in the third quarter and you're just assuming that they're going to come back. But I don't know, like this despair that I think he's able to bring about of fans and uh, opposing players, it's unmatched. I guess Tiger would probably do it for other golfers when he was really at his peak. But yeah, I don't know. That was just, I just, I just wrote down what athlete can bring about such despair. I'm just not sure what the answer to that is other than Jordan. I don't know. I, I love that. That's a little, uh, I mentioned that in my statement that I will read, you know, I'm very excited up. for this, but, but I mentioned that he's a, he's a soul, he's a soul snatcher, man. It's crazy. He just goes in the cities and they're all happy, excited. You know, maybe this is the year we get Michael. No, 
not yeah, happen. exactly. You, like you just you, won't let that happen. You work so hard to defeat this one, to knock out this one thing, and you just can't. Like, again, LeBron's lost. Like, Jordan didn't lose in the 90s. You know, obviously he did, like, whatever, the Celtics in 89, 90, and to the Pistons early on. But, like, there, he only lost if he took those years off. You know, that's the only time he, he wasn't winning. And I don't – like, everything everybody else did was to topple him. And nobody was able to do it successfully. Now teams do that for other teams. You know, people do that. We're trying to – we're building so we can knock down the Warriors. Or we're – you know, we're building this the Celtics team so you can take out the Heat or this and that. People built so they can take out Jordan. I don't think that people really do that for a specific player now. Yeah, and – what I think about, you know, you think back to like uh, LeBron kind of towards the end of his first in Cleveland, but then certainly when he was with the Heat and with uh, Cleveland the second time, it's not so much that, you know, you know, me being a Bulls fan, it's like, I don't like LeBron. It's not that I don't think, you know, he's, he's not a great player or whatever, but it's just, he's, he's consistently beating my favorite team. And I mean, that's got to be how uh, fans felt when Jordan, you know, you got this guy, you know, the 11 conference finals, uh, Bulls heat. And then again, uh, when he hit that game winning shot uh, in 2015, that whole series, you know, you just have this guy that is just in the way of your team and he's just a, a roadblock that you just can't get over. And Jordan was that guy in the nineties. It's, it's just, uh, it's it's interesting, and I think it's really cool that there's this guy, and not like you said, Charlie, it's more uh, building to beat certain teams. But, you know, when you're at the top of the mountain, you know, everyone's coming for you, so you got to be ready. All right, uh, we'll settle this once and for all. Did Jordan push off Brian Russell? No. no. Boss? <laughs> If you compare it to like Reggie Miller's push off yeah. of Jordan, that's a push off. So I, he just I crossed him over. Like, I categorize it. I, he gave him a little love tap. There's like a little like extension. Like yeah, you can't deny he touched him. I think that, by the by definition, it's though. probably a, it probably is like a push off. I don't think it's like a push though. Like it's not like he shoved him out of the way. He just kind of it's for sad. balance. He's falling over anyway. Like I don't I don't really think it was to a point that. Like, Jordan didn't knock him over. No, it's a little love tap. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of see it as, like, a football push-off where it's, like, he, yeah. he didn't extend the hand. Like, there's pass interference He didn't extend the hand. He just, he just batted him a little bit. But Reggie Miller put two hands on his chest and just threw <laughs> yeah. him down. That's a push-off. Yeah. Yeah. That's a push-off. That's a push-off. That was, that was – I mean, that's not a push-off at all. That's just he had him going the wrong way. His handle is too good. He's too smart. And, and you know, someone Russell's even just said, bum. someone even said, like, his energy was going that Like, he, again, he got yeah, faked out. He got crossed. There wasn't anything. The fact that Michael touched him, like, it just maybe makes it appear like that. But you, you can't not fall after that, whether you're being touched or not. Let's move on to, like, big picture stuff. I have some winners and losers. I always love doing winners and losers. Obviously, the ones that aren't named Michael Jordan. Uh, great, great five weeks for Ahmad Rashad. 
I didn't realize how uh, awesome he is as a sideline reporter and a reporter. He's like, he's just hanging out with Michael Jordan. That's unreal. Uh, Steve Kerr, I thought I just enjoyed every second with him. I thought the 90s in general, this is a pretty cool, this is a pretty good run for the 90s. I thought they were well shown. Bob Costas is like, his voice is over everything, it felt like. Uh, and then Phil Jackson, I feel like we have this really sour taste of Phil Jackson in our mouths from the from the Knicks run, but you know, I've made I've made my feelings on Phil Jackson pretty clear. Uh, some losers, '90s suits, like every every suit he wore was pitiful, uh, just really not fitting well, and like the the pant legs would always like cover his shoes. Scotty's too. Yeah, yeah. Style of the time. Mm. That's the look we would well, be mayor, rocking at live the games. The mayor still rocks in the '90s. Uh, Scott Burrell, not not a great, not <laughs> hey, a great no, no, no. couple episodes for him. Look, look, hey, I'm gonna refute that. Scott Burrell is a winner. Everyone knows his name now. He Everyone was only, knows his name. He was only on that team for a year. He was only there for that yeah. one year. I didn't realize that. But um, now everybody knows who he is. Nobody's yeah. ever gonna forget Scott Burrell. Yeah. Uh, you know, LeBron stands. I just, you know, it was just, it was a tough. It was a tough month for them, you know. I'm not saying I'm not trying to give my lead one way or another, but kind of tough, uh, kind of tough five weeks. Yeah, hey, LeBron fans, we have no sympathy for any of you. Suffer, please suffer. Uh, is anybody bask in those finals losses? I have losers besides Jerry Krause, by the way, because brutal. I, I have. I'm not necessarily putting him in the in the loser category, but I think some people after watching the whole thing might, and I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. And maybe I'm just crazy, but Scottie Pippen, I feel like a lot of people are going to, you know, see him sitting out the 1.8 seconds, the, uh, you know, the migraine game, all that. I mean, Maybe not that he's a loser, but I think some people are going to come after Scotty and, and, you know, question his toughness a little. Yeah, yeah I and agree. And and we've seen some stuff, too. There was, like, somebody somebody who was on the Rockets, the, like, the year after the Bulls broke up, Scotty Pippen got traded to the Rockets. And there's one of his teammates was talking about how he was a terrible teammate uh, and that he, like, kind of – he messed up what could have been a championship team. Uh, I don't think there hasn't really been a lot of good stuff about Scottie Pippen the last few weeks. Like they spent one episode on him, but since then it feels like he's kind of, when they do bring him up, it feels like it's for a bad reason. Yeah. I think he got a raw deal out of all this. I mean, I I, I don't think it really highlighted just how amazing he was, at least not the last two weeks. they, They do garner some, I think, sympathy for him with the contract stuff. They probably could have expanded on the fact that he was one of the best players in in the league when Jordan took that year off. I thought they they kind of mentioned it, but they they're they're talking about it in the context of Jordan not being there and less so in the context of like Pippen really stepping up. Also another loser I have Luke Longley. Yeah, like the fourth leading Bulls scorer for those those few years. I mean, he's their starting center, but he got about as much respect as a seven-foot-tall white dude in the NBA today would get. Like, he got disrespected the way Mason Plumlee gets disrespected. 
except Luke Longley was a three-time champion. He did not get enough love from this entire documentary. I mean, I, I feel like they mentioned him like twice. I thought Bill Whittington's weird goatee was atrocious. <laughs> I kind of liked it. It like it fit his it, personality. It was like a trident. It was like a three-prong weapon. But he had the cool. Was it the pinball machine in the background? Yeah, the yeah. He had the pinball. He had like a Cubs banner next to like above him too. Chicago guy. I thought I. They left the Craig Hodges stuff out, which I wish they would have included. Um, but uh, for the most part, this was this is pretty all encompassing. They didn't they didn't leave a whole lot on the table. Ron Harper is a loser out of this too. He didn't get his time either. Yeah, that's a good that's a good one, Ron Harper. The um, I thought they they did they spent a lot of time on BJ uh, BJ Armstrong, which made sense. Like he's a really like he he's talked to me, he was just fascinated by uh, by Jordan when he played with him. Like from a psychological perspective, he would just observe him. Um, I was uh, I always enjoyed when he was on camera, and then then after the Charlotte thing, he was never back on camera after they talked about him in Charlotte, and then. That was the last time you saw him, I felt like. I mean, a, a dark horse candidate for loser could be the Chicago Bulls. I think, because, I think they are, yeah. Yeah, and... That last and five that, minutes is like, hey, just so you know, it's been all downhill. Yeah, not just, you know, how bad things have gotten, but also, you know, a player looks at that and just sees, you know, what Jordan meant to the franchise, you know, his drive, work ethic, and all that. Because, you know, people always say, like, no one wants to come here because they don't want to play in Jordan's shadows. Like, That's not why. Hope, well, hopefully – well, you know, people say it. People say it. But hopefully, you know, people see this and, and they want to be, you know, like the next Michael of Chicago and, and lead him to a championship. Hopefully. I, I think the case. I think the winters suck – and the f- franchise isn't well run enough for them to justify. That's why they got to push the NBA season back, have it start at Christmas. So, you know, you're not here in the winter as much. You know, you get more like the spring, summer months. Yeah, they should do that. Yeah. I kind of like it too because it, it, it just gets into the way of NFL too much. Yeah. Dominate. People don't really pay attention in November, December, unless you're like me and you're a fanatic. Casual fans aren't really paying attention in November and December because you've got the NFL season wrapping up. Uh, I mean, in, in end of October, you've got baseball still. So, like, honestly, starting after Christmas is better, especially when it gets kind of dead over the summer. It would 100% so should do that. aren't going to watch baseball yeah. every day. Would you rather compete with the tail end of the NFL season or would you rather compete with the beginning of the baseball season? I, and I'd much rather compete with freaking August and, and July I'm sorry, baseball. Natalie. Like, I mean, I yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, baseball is great, but like how many people would rather be watching NBA finals and NBA playoffs in July and August rather than, I mean, middle of the summer baseball, the Cubs always suck in July and August. Unless, too. unless you you're a big baseball fan. <laughs> the Cubs have their like annual little slump. Yeah. They have that horrible, like pre all-star right. game slump. It's, right. It'll be more fun to watch the Broncos in the finals than watch the Cubs slump in July and August. Sure. I, I really wish they had been able to run it back in that lockout-shortened year. Mm, true. It would be fun to see 
like anti-Jordan people, LeBron stands specifically, make excuses for the seventh championship. It's like it was lockout shortened year. Nobody was good. Everybody was slumping. It would have been fun to see that as well. And like seven just sounds so much better than yeah. six. Well, Jordan said, I think a we ring won. for every day of the week. Exactly. Well, Jordan said, I think we would have won seven. I mean, obviously, obviously he's going to say that, but yeah, I, I think. Mean, you're they for sure getting there. I mean, the Knicks made it yeah. an AC with like Without 30 Ewing too. Ewing. Yeah, Ewing theory. I mean, yeah. he, he that he was old that year. He was really old that year. So, yeah, you think the Bulls wouldn't have made it that year coming off three straight championships? Maybe it's it's a tough series, sure, but like it's still it's still Michael Jordan. <laughs> and I thought what Jordan said at the end too, like, you know, you bring back Phil on a one-year deal, Steve Kerr, one-year deal, you know, and he said, Scotty, might, it might have been hard to convince him to come back on a one-year deal, but I think, you know, they would have bought in, like, yeah, let's go for four in a row, get that seven on one-year deals. But, you know, they just never got the chance. Yeah, I think, I think one-year deals are less appealing than Jordan made it sound. But, uh, like, after coaching on a one-year deal, I feel like Jackson – wouldn't be super into coaching on another one-year deal. I, yeah, I mean, him and Kraus were just – Yeah, that, that the, the fact writing, that – The writing was on the wall. Yeah, that relationship was um, – yeah. All right, well, do we have anything else that we'd like to add before we sign off for the final time? I would still watch baseball um, if – if they push the season back, that's a that's all. We have a war of words <laughs> brewing here. All right. Well, if that's all, this is this has been the last dance after party. Myself, Charlie Bevins, Natalie Burjack, Nick Cantoneri, Abbas Adwala. We'll have to come up with other reasons to uh, get some more hashtag content out there. But in the meantime, this has been very fun. I think I speak for all of us when I say I greatly enjoyed the last dance and appreciate you for listening. All right, the moment we've been waiting for, Cans. What's that? Oh, is it? Time for your speech. All right. Well, let me, let me get ready here. Cans the man ready for his speech. So basically to kind of preface this all, you know, the last dance, we haven't had a lot to look forward to, um, but it just brought out a lot of raw emotions about sports and and being a Chicago sports fan uh, for me. So I was very energized when it all ended. Um, and so I wrote down a few thoughts <clears throat> that I would like to share. Uh, bear with me. But it starts off, sports has always been the one thing in my life that I've been most passionate about. It's become an obsession for me at this point. My earliest sports memory is the 05 White Sox World Series run. 
I was but a young boy drifting in the sports cosmos, searching for fandoms to be part of. My dad is a lifelong Sox fan, and since he was watching the, the team, I'd follow the Sox run along with him. I got a taste for winning, and it is a feeling I've pursued ever since. My cousin Stephen, six and a half years my senior, showed me the ways of the north side of the baseball force, and I became a Cub fan in early 2006. Being a Bears, Cubs, Bulls, and Hawks fan has defined me. I've witnessed great moments, great players, and four championships. I've also had to suffer watching Rex Grossman's tiny hands, fumble balls in the Miami rain, Cubs teams that were consistent losers, Derrick Rose tearing his ACL, and perhaps worst of all, Cody Parkey strike the upright and goalpost with a 43-yard field goal attempt. I say all this because there cannot be happiness without sadness. The night is darkest just before the dawn, and I have hope that the dawn is coming. Michael Jordan and the 90s Bulls bestowed Chicago with an incredible decade. Six titles in eight years is unheard of. Winning a title in any sport is hard. I think the last dance showed that. Michael Jordan was the predator, but instead of claiming humans as trophies, he took the souls of Portland, Phoenix, Seattle, Utah, New York, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Miami, and all the would-be challengers he faced in the playoffs. Michael Jeffrey Jordan, who has a laundry list of accolades, went 6-0 in the finals and played in just three game sevens, was the hero Chicago deserved. He made himself more than just a man in this city, becoming something else entirely, a legend. What the Bulls front office did is a travesty, and the franchise has been swimming in a sea of mediocrity ever since that 98 season. But like I said, I have hope that a new dawn is coming for this once proud franchise. We will never see another player like MJ because there is only one GOAT, but some player some player out there will pick up where Jordan left off. That player will bring that elusive seventh championship home to Chicago. I'm grateful that director Jason Hare gave not just me, but everybody something to look forward to for the past five Sunday nights. I'm glad that I was able to get an inside look at the work ethic, competitive drive, and unmatched athletic ability of Michael Jordan a man who led the best sports dynasty that Chicago, the city I love dearly and call home, has ever witnessed.